Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Hey, it's a wonderful day to worship God, isn't it? Amen. Hey, well, welcome everyone. My name is Zomar and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if you're watching us right now online, live stream, uh, or maybe at one of our campuses live as well, whether it's Doral or West Kendall, Coral Gables, downtown, Redland, Homestead, or even here at Palmetto Bay. And if you're a first-time guest, listen, we love you and we thank you for coming. Let's, warm, let's welcome them right now. Amen. Today we are continuing a, a series called Skeptics Welcome. And we have been just answering all those questions that people who are skeptical of the Christian faith have. Today, we're going to be looking at the biblical flood, the, the, the flood. And we're going to be answering the question, was it a myth or was it something that truly happened? We're going to find out today from God's Word. So if you're in Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 6 at all campuses. And uh, you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh, all people had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, of all people, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. And they shall be male and female. Noah did this, and he did all that God, what? Commanded, Commanded him. Amen. That is God's word. You can go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that I have a four-year-old little girl, and her name is Camila. And, uh, man, every day is a fun day with her. She is getting funnier and, you know, just so bright. And every single night we have a routine where we read her books. It goes around 45 minutes, so it's, it's a long routine every night. And one of her favorite series of books is Pig the Pug. I don't know why she likes Pig the Pug, but she loves Pig the Pug. But check this out, because as of late, she's wanted me to read her the Bible. Oh, yeah. And as a pastor, man, I'm all over that, right? And so I love to read her the Bibles. But folks, follow me here. Because one of the stories in the Bible that so many children like Camila love to hear and love to read is the story of Noah and the ark. And folks, you know the story. You know, there's an older, an under, older man who God tells there's going to be rain coming, a flood's coming. So he tells him, the older man, to make this big wooden boat. And then he starts making it. At the end, 
he gets all these little animals on that big boat. And as they're floating everywhere, they're just happy. And it's just grand old time, right? And folks, that is the image, right, that so many children grow up about, you know, viewing the story of Noah and the ark. But folks, here's the issue. That when these children grow up into adulthood, they never leave behind that concept, that view of the story of Noah and the flood. And so because of it, we have many adults who, when they think now of the story of Noah, they think of, that's just, well, that's just a, a, a Bible story. Or, or that's just like a myth that's in the Bible that teaches a truth, but that really didn't happen. That's just a myth. That's just a Bible story. And folks, the reality is that nothing could be further from the truth. That is an, that is an illusion. In fact, the big idea for today is this. Listen, the Genesis flood, the global flood, was a horror of unprecedented proportions. Nothing in human history has ever compared to the panic, to the fear, and to the horror that took place when God sent the flood on every single human being. In fact, there's a painting by Gustave Dore back in the 1800s, and he made a painting that I really think describes really well, or at least begins to show the picture of what really happened in the flood. Now listen, as you can tell, there is a mom and dad who are pushing, right, who are about to be overwhelmed with the flood, and they're pushing their little babies, their children, up on the rock, on the only dry ground. And folks, what's inside, what's at the top of that rock? Now, a tiger, a hungry tiger itself with her own cubs right there fighting for the last portion of dry ground on earth. Folks, imagine the terror. Imagine the panic that people must have felt. Just envision yourself in that predicament. Think of your own little children, of your own little grandbabies, as you're pushing them up, hoping, not knowing that after you drown into the sea, you don't know what's going to happen to them. Folks, that's even a faint reality of what happened in the flood. Who knows, maybe you're sitting here right now, you're thinking, Omar, why would God bring that on humanity? If God is such a good God, why would he bring that on humanity? And no more, how do we know that this really existed? We're going to find out today from Genesis chapter 6, all right? So at all campuses, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 6. And uh, you can follow along in our listening guides that you've received on the way in or in our app. And today I have three thoughts for us, three important thoughts about the flood. CF, are you all ready to dive into God's Word? Yeah? So write this down as point number one at all campuses. Here we go. Here's the first thing you need to know, and that is this, that the flood was the most catastrophic event in all of human history. Now let's go to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His day shall be 120 years. Now pause right there. Because from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 6, there has been about 1,600 years that have elapsed. 
And a conservative estimate of the number of population on earth at that time was about, was about uh, 750 million people. Now, folks, that was conservative because people used to live longer back then. So that is a conservative number based on today's lifespan. So 750 million people were alive at the moment of the flood. But folks, listen to how it continues. It says, now the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Now, there, you need to know that there's several theories about who were the sons of God. And I wish I had more time to talk about all these different theories, but for the sake of time, I'll just tell you which theory I lean to the most. The theory I lean to the most is that the sons of God are descendants of Seth, the godly son of Adam and Eve, and the daughters of man are the descendants of Cain, the ungodly son of Adam and Eve. Now, folks, keep in mind, uh, a, a big focus in the book of Genesis is that God wants to show us how he preserved how he preserved the godly line of Seth because through Seth, God was going to bring the Savior of the world. Now, mind you, they had three sons, Cain, Abel, and Seth. Cain, uh, Abel was killed by Cain. Uh, but then we have two lineages, right? And what we see is that throughout time, they began to intermarry with the ungodly line of Cain. And eventually to the point that Noah was the only person that was so godly before the Lord, and so the humanity, the more they intermarried, the more and more wicked humanity got to the point, write this down, letter A, that man's wickedness was extreme. Now, folks, listen to what it says in verse 5. It says, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil what? What is it? Continually. So throughout those 1,600 years, the wickedness of man began, became so pervasive. Think about this. That every intention and every thought of the heart was evil. Think of the depravity, to the, to the degree of depravity that man got in the days of Noah. And so as a result, write this down, letter B, God brought judgment of man's wickedness. Now listen to what it says next. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found what? Favor, Favor in the eyes of the Lord. So it seems that out of all the people on earth, no one his family were the remaining people who are, although they were not sinless, they were still people who were godly, people who knew the Lord, trusted the Lord. And so then it says in verse 11, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood, Make room in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy it. To destroy all flesh which is in the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. 
But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, Noah, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. So notice, God showed grace to Noah and provided the ark for salvation. But what we see is that the Lord then promised judgment, righteous and good judgment, for all the wickedness on earth. And so he took the, le- the breath of everything that had life. Folks, don't just pass over this. The severity of the judgment of God, the, of the good, righteous judgment of God. God, in many ways, brought justice for sin across all societies on earth. You know, today, we, the, the hot topic, the hot term is social justice, right? And you all see, you turn on the TV and you see all the rioting, the protests and all that for the last several years. And, you know, social justice has a place in society, right? In order to have good and order, social justice is important. But you know what's interesting about all these uh, protests? Everyone is asking for justice for everyone else except themselves. Have you noticed that? Everyone's always protesting for justice, 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 but no one says, God, we want justice for our own sin, right? Why? Because the reality is that what sin deserves is eternal death and punishment away from the presence of God. And so at the flood, God brought good and perfect justice for the wickedness of humanity. Now, when we talk about the flood, right, and all the, 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 what took place and how God really took the life of everyone on earth, there's many people who are skeptics who say, well, man, I don't know about all this. I, it, it just, to me, it just sounds like a story. It just sounds like a myth. I, I don't really, really believe that that really happened. In fact, even in the church, just last year they made a, a poll about, um, they made a study and about 26% of evangelicals, people who say they believe in God, in, in, in the Word of God, 26% of people say the stories like Noah and the flood are simply myths that are true, sto- that are, tr- are stories, but they're not really, they're not really uh, actual things that took, that took place. And folks, here is what we need to realize. Write this down as big number two. And that is that the flood has significant historical evidence. And folks, there are several ones. In fact, write this down as letter A. The first evidence of it was the ancient global flood accounts. You know, it's interesting that anthropologists uh, have cataloged about hundreds of ancient flood legends from all different ancient civilizations. In fact, the ancient Babylonians, the Native Americans, the Australian Aboriginals, uh, the Aztecs, the Romans, the Greeks, the Chinese, the Mayans, the Inuits, and many other early civilizations all have recorded that something happened like the biblical flood, a worldwide flood. And what's really interesting is that many of the accounts, every account, are very similar to the true historical account that we found in God's Word. For example, a good example of that is the Epic of Gilgamesh. And the Epic of Gilgamesh, I want to show you some similarities. If you go through it all, you'll see so many of the similarities. Uh, An old Babylonian uh, record of the flood, they're very similar to the true account in Scripture of what took place in 
the flood. And folks, if you look at all these early flood legends, they're all very similar. And folks, why do I say this? Because if something as significant, as catastrophic as a worldwide flood took place, you would expect that all these ancient civilizations had written down something happened, something like this happened, right? And folks, that's exactly what we have. All these different civilizations all say, yes, something like this happened in the past. And folks, not only that, but here's the second evidence. Write this down, letter B. We have sedimentary rock evidence. Now, for those of you who are not very familiar, sedimentary rock is simply rock that was washed away at one point, uh, dissolved in fluid, and then redeposited somewhere around uh, in in a different place. And so if, you, if, you, if, if, if something like the flood really did happen, you would expect a good portion of the earth's surface to be covered with sedimentary rock, rock that was dissolved by fluid, by high pressure, and thrown somewhere else. And folks, get this, 75% of the earth's surface is covered by sedimentary rock, for exactly what you would expect. And the third evidence for you to consider is the, the evidence of land fossils, of land fossils. Now, many of us have heard of fossils, right? We've from history books and things on TV. But so few people understand how fossils are made. So let me help you understand. A fossil is a very unique and really rare occurrence where something like a living organism, a, a organism like an animal uh, or a plant, when it dies, and here's the key, After it dies, it is quickly buried, quickly buried under sand, mud, or volcanic ash. And so what happens is that when this animal or plant dies and it's quickly buried under pressure, through time it becomes a fossil. And folks, that doesn't, it's a rare occurrence because think about it. Right now, if an animal dies in the field, it begins to what? Decompose, right? That's just the way, it doesn't turn into a fossil. But here's what, but, but folks, listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 7. In Genesis chapter 7, it says, On that day, that the beginning of the flood, all the fountains of the great deep, what? They burst. They burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were open. You know, a big misconception about the flood is that many people think that the way that God flooded the earth was just by a steady rain. Mind you, rain began to take place at the flood, right? Before that, there was no such thing as rain. It was simply geysers that, that covered the, that watered the earth. But what's interesting is, when you look at the flood, the, the way that God was able to cover the flood, so, the, the earth, by water, was that he burst open these deep fountains and allowed rushing water to begin to overtake the earth. And so when he burst these fountains open, all these massive amounts of water at high pressure began to fill the earth. And folks, wouldn't we expect, right, to find rock layers across the entire earth containing billions of fossils, if that's the way, right, who would be, were buried immediately through rushing water? And folks, that's exactly what we find. We find billions of fossils in a rock layer when that took place. In fact, it's very common to find fossil graveyards where they find, get this, they find 
a bunch of different animals that normally would not live together, all jumbled up in one place, all broken apart right through force, with the evidence through through with evidence of some sort of force kind of breaking them apart. And what's interesting is that none of them have any gnaw marks, like that the other animals ate them. And so what's inter- what probably happened was that you have all this high-pressured water overtaking the earth, all these animals running for cover. They get in a corner, and then all the water comes in and starts burying them together. And therefore you have fossils. And so one of the evidence of the flood across the earth is all these fossils that you find because of it. Makes sense? And then here's a third evidence for you to consider, and that is marine fossil evidence. You know, you may not know this, but there is a presence of abundant fossils, of marine fossils, across the top of every mountain, of the highest mountain ranges in the world. For example, in the Himalayan mountains tops, they have found plenty of marine fossils to, at the very top of those mountain ranges. And not only the Himalayan mountain ranges, across all these different high mountain ranges, they find marine fossils located at the top. And not only that, they also find carcasses and remains of whales that were stuck up in these mountain ranges. Now, people don't normally get dead whales and carry them up, right, to mountain ranges. And, and, and so scientists, what they would say, well, it may have been tectonic plate shifts that throughout time they were, you know, just little by little they just changed. However, they don't, they don't really give any evidence to how those things were fossilized because that is a rare occurrence. But, folks, we know the answer. It's found in Genesis chapter 7. It says, and the, way, and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains uh, under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, even the Himalayans, covering them 15 cubits deep or about 22.5 feet deep. In length. And so, what probably happened, the way that all these marine fossils took place, you know, got stuck up in all these mountain ranges, was that just as there's a lot of rushing water overtaking the earth in high pressure, just like that, God began to, to recede all these waters at high pressure, and all those waters started going down quickly. And as the water was coming down, you know, um, animal, uh, fish and, 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 um, and marine life were being caught up in all these things, and they were quickly buried and fossilized in top, uh, in top of these mountain ranges. And so the reality is that when you look at the flood from all these ancient flood legends to all the fossils to all the little things we see in life, listen, it is evident that there is an abundance of evidence that a flood really took place. Now, you may be sitting right here at one of our campuses, and you're thinking, well, Omar, listen, it's the year 2022. I'm at church. I got things going on in my life. So what if there was a true biblical flood? How does that impact me today? Well, folks, it has significance, significant evidence impact on our life today. In fact, write this down as big number three. Because the flood is a foreshadowing of future events. 
In fact, write this down as letter A. Here's the first foreshadowing. The flood points to God's future judgment. Now, family, travel with me from the book of Genesis, all right, to the book of 2 Peter. Because Peter is going to write to us, the apostle Peter is writing to us, and he's warning us that in the last times, things, things are going to get more and more ungodly, and that people are going to make fun of the whole concept that Jesus Christ is going to return again. And so listen to what he says in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? You know, where's the promise that Jesus, that Jesus, this Jesus is going to come back in his second coming? Where's the promise of his second coming? And they say, for ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But this is what Peter says. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. We learned that several weeks ago. And that by means of these, of these the world that then existed was deluged, flood, with water and perished. But by the same word, by the same promise, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the what? On the ungodly. And so, folks, those people who mock the return of Christ and the good and righteous judgment that he will bring. Listen, Peter's saying they deliberately overlooked the fact that at one day, long ago, God already brought judgment once. However, in the second time, God promises that he's not going to do it through water again. But according to Peter, he's going to do it through fire and he's going to remake the heavens and the earth. And folks, the promise that we see in Scripture in the book of Genesis is the rainbow, right? You know, I don't have time to go into it. The narrative is about three chapters long, so I don't have enough time to cover everything. But what God told Noah after the flood was, listen, every time you see the rainbow, it's a reminder that I will never again destroy the world by water again. So if you think about it, when you look at a rainbow, it is a reminder of not only of God's past judgment, but the fact that one day God will be good and just and bring judgment on, on, on sinful humanity. Amen? Amen. And folks, here's what you need to understand. Listen, just like humanity was getting more and more ungodly in the days of Noah, God's word warns us that towards the end, listen, humanity is going to get more and more ungodly. And can I tell you, listen, you don't need to go far to see this. Just turn on the television. Open up the news. Open up your apps. Listen, every single day we see humanity becoming more and more immoral, more and more ungodly. In fact, the things that God calls good and moral, society calls immoral. And the things that God calls good and moral, Society calls it immoral. You know, just recently, I was with Pastor Carlos at a, at a conference up in Atlanta. We're meeting with other pastors, and they were just reflecting the fact that just a few decades ago, the position of a pastor and the teaching of God's Word was seen, was seen as something that was good, that was wholesome, that was moral, that was good for humanity. 
And nowadays, listen, they don't see what I'm doing right here as good or moral anymore. In fact, they see anybody that believes what God's Word says as immoral, bigoted, and closed-minded. Isn't that right? And, and so what we see in God's Word is that there is going to be a moment where God does bring good and righteous judgment. And I know sometimes the whole topic of, of judgment is, can be kind of sober. Nobody wants to talk about that. But can I tell you, it should be a source of comfort for you. Because as you see all the evil and all the ungodliness and all the immorality that you and your family is being exposed to every single day, you know, and when it looks like they're just getting away with things, that nothing's been taking place, listen, you can rest assured that you have a good and faithful God who is a just God. Amen? Who will bring judgment on those who are evil, ungodly, and immoral. That's the God we have. But, folks, here's the good news. Listen, just like the rainbow reminds us of God's past and future judgment, let me tell you something. It's also a reminder of God's past mercy and his future mercy. In fact, write this down, Senator B. Listen, the flood points to God's future mercy. You see, just the, just the reality is that even though he is a God who is perfectly just, he is also a God who is perfectly merciful, amen? He is a per God who loves us, who has a heart for humanity, who wants to rescue us from our sin. That he doesn't just want us to keep going down the path further and further away from him. He wants to redeem us. He wants to save us. He wants to show mercy to us. Do you believe that? And folks, the only way through that is through his son, Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. We see the love and the mercy of God where he came down to this earth to rescue us from our sin so that we could be saved and that we could be, have a relationship with the God who made us. Amen? Amen? Can you praise God for that to this morning? And here's the thing. Some of us may not realize, but there's a, actually a lot of similarities between the story of Noah of the ark and Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. In fact, many scholars call the ark what they called a type of Christ or a foreshadowing of Christ because of the similarities between the, what the ark did for Noah and what Christ do, does for us. In fact, I want to give you just some similarities so that you can see it for yourself. First of all, the days of Noah right? There God gave us a warning of a future judgment. In fact, Noah warned people of the future judgment. And folks, just like that, listen, Jesus warns us of the future time where God will bring good and righteous judgment on all sin. Amen? In fact, Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, he said this, just as it was in the days of Noah, the Lord said, so will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And folks, even though God warns us of his good and righteous judgment, listen, he also provides only one way of salvation. It's interesting that the ark, right, when the God's judgment came, there was only one way for Noah to be saved, and that was through the ark. Amen. And just like that today, listen, 
even though we know there's a good and righteous judgment, there is only one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. See, this is why he just said in John 14, he says, I am the way. You who are lost, you who are discouraged, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only one way of salvation, and that is through Christ. And folks, through that way of salvation, there's another similarities. Listen, the ark shielded Noah from the wrath and the judgment of God. Amen? And folks, just like that, listen, Jesus Christ shields us from the good and righteous wrath of God. In fact, listen to what it says uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. God's words reminds us, listen, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who what? Who what? Yeah, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, just like the ark, don't miss this, just like the ark absorbed the wrath of God, the judgment of God, and delivered Noah from it, just like that, when Jesus Christ was dying on a cross for us, he absorbed the wrath of God for us. He shielded us from the wrath of God. Why? So that those who are in him, listen, will not experience judgment for their sin, but everlasting life. Can we praise God for that? And here's the fourth similarity. Listen, when God told Noah to construct the ark, he told him, listen, Noah, there is only one door, one way to enter into the salvation providing. It's through that one single door. And folks, just like that, the Lord tells us that he is the door of the sheep. He is the only door to salvation. The Lord said in John chapter 10, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. And not only that, but one, once God revealed the method of salvation for Noah, listen, the reason, the way that Noah was saved was because he had his, it was because of his faith in the salvation of God. See, Noah entered by faith into the ark. In fact, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Noah. Everyone say, by faith. faith. Noah. Noah. Everyone say, by faith. faith. Noah entered the ark. And folks, listen, just like it says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Listen. Just like Noah entered the ark by faith and trusted God, listen, we entered into the salvation that Jesus offers us by faith and faith alone. Can I get an amen to that church? And so what's amazing is that God provides promises, judgment, but He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. And He has made a way of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, maybe you're here today. And as we're talking about the flood that took place, sometimes you feel like maybe you're experiencing a flood in your own life. Maybe you feel like you're being overwhelmed by the issues of life. Maybe you started coming here recently. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe you've been coming for a while. But the reality is that you're here right now, and the the reality is that you feel like you're getting overwhelmed 
but the issues of your life. Maybe it's you're getting a few feel overwhelmed by the struggling marriage. You're overwhelmed by a financial stress. You're feeling overwhelmed by the situation with your family. You're feeling overwhelmed by fear about the future. You feel overwhelmed about anxiety about the unknown. You're feeling overwhelmed by, by a situation in your life that you're hoping it does not happen. And the reality is that you are feeling overwhelmed and you're lonely and you're discouraged. And you just feel like, man, I can no longer do this on my own. I'm tired of trying to keep my head above water. I've been trying to do life on my own for far too long. And I know I need God. I'm tired of trying to live this life apart from God. I may not know much about anything, but I do know one thing, that I feel like I need to get right with God. I need to enter into a personal relationship with God. I need God in my life. And as we look through God's word today, listen, you heard that there is a God who's perfectly just, but there's a God who's perfectly loving, and perfectly merciful. And he has provided a way for you to enter into a personal relationship with him. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And you may be wondering, well, Omar, how can I start a relationship with the Lord? I, I, I just know I need to get right with God. I, what, what do I have to do? You know, what ritual, what, what thing? Listen, again, just like Noah entered into the ark by faith and faith alone, Listen, the way that we enter into a relationship with God is by faith and faith alone. Amen? Amen? That's why God's word says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, what is belief? Very simple. It's surrender. It's, it's putting all of your reliance no longer on the things of this world, but on what Jesus Christ did at the cross for you. And the Bible says that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he forgives you of all of your sins. He then makes you his own son and daughter. And from that moment on, you start a personal relationship with the Lord that will, never, that, that will not only go for the rest of this life, but into eternity. The Lord promises, I will never leave you or forsake you for those who are mine. The question is, listen, if you're tired of living your life apart from God, Will you take the step and put your faith in the Lord today? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, today, oh Lord, we, those of us who already know you who are believers, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, because we were reminded today of your perfect justice, but also of your perfect loving mercy. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for being that amazing God, Lord, who never leaves us or forsakes us. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today who are ready to take that step of faith. And so if that's you, maybe you're recommitting your life today after many years of being apart from the Lord, or maybe it's your first time, it doesn't matter. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And when you pray this prayer, listen, it's not the words, it's not what you say, it's the condition of your heart. And so when you pray this prayer, know that the Lord is listening to you. And so do not pray to me. Do not pray to me. You pray to the God who loves you and gave his son to die on a cross for you. So if that's you, you pray this to the Lord right now, quietly in your own place and seats. Lord, today I come before you. And Lord, I'm tired. 
I'm tired of living life without you. And so today, Lord, I come before you, O oh Lord. I confess all of my sin. And today, O oh Lord, I put my trust in you. I surrender my life. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, give me everlasting life, O oh Lord. And for the rest of my life, help me to live a life that honors you and brings you glory. And so, Lord, help me, Lord, as I move on. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Hey, can we encourage all those who prayed that prayer? Man, listen, if you prayed that prayer, it is the best decision of your life. The Lord loves you, and it's a special day for you. Amen? And so here's what we're going to do. Listen, we can only end the service today by singing a praise to God, right? How can we not sing a song of praise to our God who saved us? And so in a few moments, we're going to stand up and we're going to worship. But listen, for those of you who prayed that prayer, says, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to take the step and start my walk with Christ. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In a few moments, as we're all singing, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to ask you to do something that may take a little courage, but be very special for you. And here it is. When everyone's singing and all focus is up, is up here, listen, I'm going to ask you to come down, if that's you, just right here and just meet me here. It'll be very special, why? Right? Because I want to just say hi to you, get to celebrate with you. I have a brand new Bible, a leather Bible that I want to put in your hand so you can start reading God's Word. But then also, I want to help you then take the next steps in your walk with the Lord. You know, in, in, in the Gospels, there's a story about a lady who was ministered by the Lord. And it's interesting that after she touched the hem of the Lord, she tried, she was healed. She tried to recede into the crowd, but she said, no, 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 no. The, the Lord said, no, no, come, come. And it was a special moment where she came forward. It's a very special moment for her. And, and, and it really changed her life forever. Listen, that's what I want for you. If you pray that prayer, it's not about embarrassing you. Nobody's going to be focused on you. I'm just going to be right here, but I would love to get to meet you and put a Bible in your hand. And so can we agree that if somebody wants to come down, they'll come down. Amen. Can we encourage them with that? Yeah. Amen. Listen, in the, in the first two weeks of this series, we opened up the altar. Many people came to the front. Listen, I'm sure that there's people who said, you know what, I'm ready to take the step with the Lord. And so listen, as we, we're gonna, as we all stand singing, I'll be right here. Come on down. We'd love to meet you, right? Let's go ahead and stand up at all campuses and let's worship. If that's you, come on. Come on, we sing it.